20 square blocks. 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 20 square blocks. Square. Square. There's uh, some Mentos, a chubba chub. I saw them. And a glass of water if you'd like. Oh, yeah, I like it. This is great. I've been eyeing them off since I walked in the door. <laughs> like, are they for me or were they just left behind? The chubba chub was on the street. It was sealed at both ends, so we're good. Ask anyone what Ballarat is known for and they'll probably tell you gold, amazing architecture freezing cold weather and its pubs. Talkwell Nielsen, a former film and television actor, talked to me about hanging up his actor's hat, moving to Ballarat, opening up an intimate bar called The Comfort of Strangers and how this decision changed his life. I'm going to guess that you were born in 73. 73, November. Great year for Richmond. The town of Richmond? The suburb of the, Richmond? The football club of Richmond. The though. football club. I'm assuming that's the year they won. Back to back, 73-74. And then they didn't win again until what? That's correct, yes. <laughs> yes. I hope you can't hear this, but that's nah, really yummy. I was, um, I was born in London. My mum's Scottish and she grew up in Edinburgh and left as soon as she was out of high school, basically, and went down to London. So she was um, working on Carnaby Street in 66. Mm-hmm. And I was born at the end of 73 and, I, you know, the... the IRA ceasefire went belly up. This is not from personal recollection, but as I'm you had nothing to do with that. Told it as as far as I understand it, there was no uh, issue with me personally. And um, mum, you know, she was young, and I mean, it's really hard to imagine. You go to the supermarket with your eleven month old child, and you get all your shopping. And then the alarm goes, you know, and you've got to leave and you just walk out with your kid and your handbag because there's a bomb there. I'm assuming this happened to your mum. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was happening all over London, I believe. But I just think if you're a young single mum, you know, that sucks. So where's your father at this stage? Well, he was in Melbourne saying, hey, you you should come out here. What was he doing here? Well, yeah, just escape, running away. From her and Yeah, you? yeah. He already had a kid in Sydney and he, he, he's from London. He goes out, he has a, gets married and has a kid in Sydney. Went back to London. Met mum, had me. So went to Melbourne. You've got to remember the Hume Highway wasn't sealed at that, at that time. Not all the way, right? Like, internal flights were very expensive in, in the 70s. Facebook wasn't around. There's no Facebook. There's barely shortwave radio. So he figures he's safe, but he's sent a few silly letters to mum saying how great it is and, you know, she should come out here. And um, she sort of put every all her eggs in one basket with the, you know, she just, she closed down her life in London basically and bought the, the flights and uh, and just sort of never looked back. And, and she's still very happy. I mean, I don't think she's ever considered going home. Did those two ever get together? No. No, no, he, he didn't I'm even. I'm not surprised. He didn't even turn up at the airport, you know. So, um, did they ever meet again? Though? Yeah, yeah. He, it was there was kind of so, social acquaintances, you know. They'd bump into. We used to shop at Pran Market, and so we'd we'd often bump into him there. Right. Um, That's uh, odd. He's an odd fellow. Are they still both around? I don't really know about him. He's somewhere, but uh, yeah, mum's mum's still in the house she bought in 1980. Hmm. Um, she's talking about coming up here. We should probably sell her house and buy 15 houses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, where, where, thing, where is I mean, she? She's in Canterbury. I do remember when we went there, and I mean, it was 
you know, a lot of those, is it cyclone wire fences, yes, you know, yes. and corrugated iron roofs that needed yeah. to be fixed and weather. I know there's this whole section of it, the Golden Mile, but that was, you know. Uh, What's the Golden Mile? Is that that intersection? That's the really rich bit on the high ground as you get towards Camboyle and uh, Kew. Right. And it's where lots of, I think, politicians yep. and stuff live. And I lived in Kew for a while. Yeah, right, yeah. And certainly in our time, there was a gang lord shot. Yeah. Two witnesses were yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kew Cottages, so... Yeah, yeah, Kew Cottages was... we. I did a show there. We were quite unprepared for what we encountered. Was that, was that an orphanage? Oh, I think it was just people with very... Um, uh, disabilities that would require professional management, perhaps, mm-hmm. is the best. You know, some of the, the average parents just aren't going to be equipped... To deal with. So you did a play there in the early Yeah, we did like a... 2000s. A, a craps. No, 92. I was at Pran Tafe doing performing arts when I was 18. Right. And so during this point, you go off and uh, do a play at... Oh, it was part of the course. Yeah. Was, and, and that was your audience. Yeah. Put me in the most extreme situations and sort of water off a duck's back because you're 18. You're an, an idiot. But, well, I was. But, like, with the service they were providing... Yeah. It's kind of shocking. I've heard it described as the Keynesian environment. Oh, look, that would be hard for me to comment because I just wasn't – I mean, we, we took a show out there. It was just more the people who, who were there. Right. I mean, I just don't see how else you can care for people like that. Um, well, I guess the idea was let them go. Yeah, and I, I, that, that to me was, was really confronting. This, this is not a – this is not a situation like, well, if you just take your medication, sir. I mean, these are people I feel that just wouldn't have been able to function. It doesn't mean you just throw the towel in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can certainly say the facility itself looked very impressive. Oh, yes, and I'm sure it's made for some one- Great apartments. wonderful apartments. <laughs> <laughs> we used to, used to go up there. I don't know if it was still open. We'd go and sit We'd sort of drive into the grounds, and there's there was a place you could sit at night and sort of look over the uh, kind of inner north east of Melbourne. You know, look over from the high ground. You'd look over Abbotsford and Collingwood up to Fitzroy, and you'd see the nice, uh, nice. It's amazing at night, you know, and the commission flats kind of in a, in a row. They go in a line, oh. and you sort of see these tower blocks marching to the horizon. I've never heard them described as <laughs> as the marching tower blocks. Yeah, yeah, they were. It was, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a good evening. That was not the same day that we did the circus show. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and Prantafe was. I mean, I lasted about. Six Hang on, I'm stuck and, on and this image a, of you looking over this city oh, skyline. Yeah, yeah. Who are you there with? <laughs> I was there with uh, with a, 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 a collection of, of, of ne'er-do-wells that uh, were some of my best friends at that time. And who knew what we had to do, you know, with an evening? But none of us had to be up the next day, I can assure you. Ned-wells? Ne'er-do-wells. It was just me and my sketchy mates <laughs> driving around through the, the streets of Melbourne in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter. I don't know what a ne'er-do-well is. Ne'er-do-well. Never do well. You've never oh. heard the phrase ne'er-do-well? Any apostrophe er, right? Ne'er do wells. Who are these ne'er do wells? Uh, you know, you mentioned Dickens earlier. Uh, you know, I'm sure he would have dropped that. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, uh, 
a fond memory of, of sort of a misspent youth in Melbourne in the 90s. You're doing more acting, get gigs here and there. I sort of, I was really focused on it from a pretty early age. So the father that was kind of not present was an actor. So I had a kind of um, an idea of the the reality of the local industry because he was just a jobbing actor in the seventies and eighties. But uh, you know, so I, I sort of like I was aware of how the industry went. Like I knew that you could get a great gig on telly. And the closest I ever got to feeling like I've sort of established something here was when I, I did 10 eps of um, Secret Life of Us. Yeah. And, and I kind of thought, well, this this seems to be changing things a bit. This, this could be. Right. This could be important. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, being acutely aware of, but I have no gigs lined up. That's the, that's the only time that I felt like things have shifted up a gear. But at the same time, I was aware if I don't kind of nail something of equal status soon, it's for naught. I mean, this is not a complaint. This is just the reality of it. You know, you're as good as your last gig or actually probably you're as good as your next gig. Um, and if there isn't a next gig, then who cares? But all the other stuff that I did, I mean, I... I was always very happy with it because, you know, you look at Falafel and, I mean, that's a Richard Lowenstein film and Noah Taylor's in it. And then you look at who else was in it, you know. I mean, and that's the thing. I You know, I think about this a lot, but I definitely I've always been more interested in kind of ensemble work, you know. That's just, I mean, you can't sort of help what you like, you know, like. Well, you were doing a lot of that, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is really, it's a really interesting thing. You did a lot you know? of frontline Yeah, well. it was everything I did, uh, it, was, it was ensemble work. Even right back to the plays? Yeah, there was never like a, oh, this is my right. gear. I never felt like that and I never, I wouldn't have been comfortable with it. I mean, look at um, Van Diemen's Land, it's an ensemble piece, you know, like, and I liked that. I liked being part of a, a gang or whatever, you know, like an... Sort of just being a cog in the machine, and which could have been a lack of uh, ambition or confidence. I don't think it was, but you know, you can sort of hide and there's, I don't le- think so. and I mean, there's less responsibility, perhaps. If you, but yeah. you know, it, but you're talking it was about the theatre. You're talking about the theatre, and that seems to foster that environment of an ensemble if you're doing that kind of work. Yeah, because it doesn't live by you, and it doesn't die by no, you. No, no, it's just. But you're really important, and also you. I guess you can sort of ex- experience it. A bit too, you know, when yeah. there's sort of 10 of you or, or more and everyone's a really integral component, you know, you're, you're sort of amongst it. Anyway, it, it made me very happy. Uh, so you uh, decided to give that away? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, uh, it was 20 years. I was 40, which had nothing to do with it. Um, my, my daughters were about to turn one, which I also had nothing to do with it, but... I hadn't been happy for a long time. I mean, I just wasn't enjoying. Well, that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, I just wasn't enjoying work when it when I got it. I wasn't getting enough. Um, I had this career that wasn't a career that uh, didn't bring me any joy or satisfaction. That I, I had no longer any enthusiasm whatsoever for the industry as as it was, and you know, just I shouldn't have been doing it anymore. 
Did you have depression at that time? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you're talking uh, uh, about it. I was very unhappy it. for a very long time. But, I mean, I don't know. I didn't go see anyone. I didn't take any pills. But... Um, you rode the way through it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife helped me. You know, there's... Yeah, what this year post, are we talking? Um, well, it lasted a long time. I'm, a, I'm guessing 2009? decade, you know. Oh, but okay, yeah, like, right. yeah, really bad after Van Diemen's Land. Yeah, <laughs> what was that, just, 2008? 2008, yeah, and that just destroyed me. Did that do it to you? It, could, it may well have, you know, <laughs> which is funny because it was also arguably, and I wouldn't argue against it, the pinnacle experience of my acting career. So my wife grew up in Sydney and <laughs> she came home and said, I've been looking at like properties in Newcastle. Do you know how cheap it is there? You know, it's like, yeah, everywhere in the world, <laughs> apart from like Zurich and Oslo and Hong Kong, pretty much is cheaper than here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and um, so she suggested that we start looking at a satellite city because I wasn't acting. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just... Um, we, we started looking and you, you go from spending $700 a week to rent a two-bedroom shoebox in the most densely populated suburb in Australia that doesn't actually have like a nice pub. And uh, yeah, you know, for less than half the money, you know, we had a house with a yard and, you know, the girls could run around outside. and Good and air. Beautiful air. Um, Bit cold. Yeah, but we're okay with the cold, so that's fine. Um, you get put a jacket on. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when it's stinking hot and humid? <laughs> we have New York winters here without the snow. Mm. So it's better than New York. I like what you're saying. We have a bar called The Comfort of Strangers. And um, my wife came up with a name, which is great, because I'm, I'm terrible at naming things. I can't take it seriously. Hang on. What did you want to call it? Uh, McAlpins. <laughs> McAlpins? What's that? Kenneth McAlpin. He's my favourite king of Scotland. Okay. He was the first king to rule over Picton. Hey, it might have worked Scots. here because, I mean, if you walk down to the gardens, the first statue you see is William Wallace. Of course, who a lot of people don't realise did spend a lot of time in Ballarat. In Ballarat. <laughs> um, I didn't intend to open a bar here um, at all. And I was working at Red Duck uh, in Alfredton, really enjoying it, but I did something horrific to my left arm moving house. So not a work injury at all, but uh, I snapped the tendon in my left arm and mm. the bicep came off the bone. Ow. I actually didn't hurt as much as you'd think because it was a clean... Right, um, but it just sort of popped off. It was really weird, yeah. It was very odd, and uh, when it happened, I kind of... I, went, <laughs> I sort of went and sat in a corner... <laughs> <laughs> I was very freaked out, but you're um, just rocking back and yeah, forth, you know, like Rain Man. And um, anyway, um, so I was off work for a few months, and then just before I went back, he laid everyone off. And Joe, my wife, came to pick me up afterwards, and I said, "Right, we better open a bar or something." So we just started thinking, and you know, two years later, or how, I'm not sure how long it took, but I have a small bar now. During the time you were setting that up, I remember you were finding things a little bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah. horrific. Just 
frustrating with the the building permits and the council uh, the whole, every, and everything. Every yeah, it was literally like waking up in a Kafka novel or Brazil, if you've seen. Yeah, Brazil. But I mean, yeah, there, there, there are some places when he wakes up which are not too bad. Was it one of those places? No, it was the bad. It was the was, bad place. The bad okay, place with the bag on his head. Yep. Yeah, it was. Look. I, and I said at the time, and it's true, if, if anyone had told me at the outset the kinds of hurdles that I would encounter, I never would have done it. So I'm really glad no one did because I'm really glad I did it. And I did get through it. But, yeah, it's sort of – Because it took a long time. It, it does. And, you know, what's – Was it like really, a, a year from well, when you actually – Something, yeah. Because you didn't rebuild the building. I, I know. I've seen a lot of people actually take longer. I mean, I thought this is insane, but I think I did okay now. You lease the building, first of all. Yeah, well, you, you lease the building and, and then you, you need to get it rezoned. Right. And that's the big, the big problem. Um, and so you, you apply for that and then to rezone means... That, and that takes like, uh, that's 50, well, yeah, 50 that, bucks in a week. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that is entirely incorrect. So you sort of, you, you lodge your application and they'll get back to you if they want you to change some things or whatever. So you do that and then... You, you have to put a sign up in the window, mm-hmm. and if someone doesn't like it, yeah. So one person lodged a, an objection, and somebody my, who maybe has a place nearby. No, no, no. actually, no. It's uh, unusual. Someone who doesn't even live in Ballarat, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, my yeah, landlord. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't just brush over that. Somebody who doesn't even live yeah, in they Ballarat. own a building a couple of doors up. They, it's not a licensed premises or anything. Anyway, my landlord went to see them, and they retracted their objection. After it's been on advertising for a month, if there's no objections or objections have been formally withdrawn, as was the case, then you wait a month. I'm not really sure why, but you have to. And then it goes to a council meeting, which got cancelled. Hmm. So you wait another month. Another month. You're paying rent. Anyway, so, you know, you do this and then because it's a change of use, though, then the building inspector comes in and says, well, none of this is regulation. This is built back in... It doesn't matter if it's change of use, it's a new build. <sighs> so I had to, like, replace all the glass and I had to... Because my building's too close to the building next door. So that's not really my fault. You're just dealing with people that are saying things to you that are insane. I remember having to do a, a patron management plan and they, they rejected it and said, well, you haven't said what you're going to do about queues and security. It's a 30-seat wine bar. Yeah, but what are you going to do if more than two people come to the door at the same time? I'll seat them. What happens? And so, hang on. What happens bizarre... if you have thirty people in there and then another four hundred show up? Yeah, you know, like there was stuff. What are you going to do about the music? Well, my license says that it has to be at a background volume. So, how's that music going to make it outside with the door closed? I mean, it won't be at a volume loud enough. What if someone holds the door open? You know, they're like, what are you going to do about people smoking outside your venue? Yeah, what are you going to do? (laughs) So you just sort of – what I didn't realise is it's just going to – you know, I I think I opened about six months after I thought I was going to. I had to get a fire report. One of them had an issue with the area behind the bar being less than a metre deep. This is one of the roomier bars I've worked. The problem was I'm licensed for 140 patrons. Yeah, what? How are they going to get out from behind the bar if there's a fire? What are they doing behind the bar? That is a fair and valid question, Ben. I'm getting angry just hearing you talk <laughs> you know, about you this. Think, you know, so, yeah, the um, 
It's it, look. It, it was just. It was weird. You know. It's it's weird. And I just never encountered this. Mm. Yeah, a friend of mine got in trouble for tearing down his mum's front fence because it was heritage. Okay. But he built it in the nineties. <laughs> you know, like, it wasn't even like he knows it was done then. He did it. Um, <laughs> well, you opened and you've been enjoying the time where it was opened. Uh, yeah, look, it went beautifully. It, uh, you, my expectations yeah. were far exceeded. Also, it's a tiny little place. Yeah. I can run it on my own. It's, it's lovely. It's just, it's, look, I just built the kind of place that Joe and I would like to go to. I, I enjoy being there and I, I, you know, I love it. Thanks to Talkwell Nilsson. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out his other music at virtuallyryan.com. Additional material written by Anne Murison. Editing by Ricky Cheno. And thanks to H Studios for the Chubba Chups and Mentos. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks. <laughs>